to open your Bible to the book of Daniel, chapter 11, The Uncommon Man and the Exceptional Woman. Now, let's just set the preface here. Why are we in church? We talked about it last week. We're in church to change. We're in church to change. Now, if we enjoy it and, and uh, we're entertained or if we're uh, uh, encouraged, if we are in a social aspect where we meet our friends here and we, don't, we sleep, you know, while he's preaching, we're sleeping, but we still get to see our friends or whatever. The bottom line is, of all those dynamics, we're here to change. I'm here to change. Ministering the word to y'all has changed me because of the word that comes out of my mouth changes me. You think, well, he just knows all this. I tell you, I, I originate all these messages, and when I do, I have to seek the Lord extensively to find out how to do it. So we're here to change, and we said last week that when you're through changing, you're through. When you are through changing, if you're like, I don't need to change either, I know it all or I don't care if I know anymore, you're done. You're just, you're just uh, dust in the world. You're just here until you decide to go. You're done. And so I remembered a, uh, a, a statistics that I learned many years ago when we were studying personality types. And in that, we found out that 75% of all personality types resist change. Resist change. It's called the phleg phlegmatic. And 75%, three-fourths of all people are that. And they, they don't care anything about change. They resist change. And so we, that makes you go back to change. All change comes by tribulation or revelation. We're either forced to change or we see something that makes us want to change. It's either a pain, a suffering, a deprivation, something like that. And we say, I got to change this. Or it's by revelation. It says, well, God, I see it now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to load up and go. I'm going to go load up and do. I'm going to change, not because I'm suffering. Everything's great. Having a great day. Got my money right. Got my, my family's right. My job's, everything's right. But I see things and I'm going to change. Amen. Have you ever moved because of revelation? If you've ever moved since you had Jesus, you did because nobody likes to move. So I say, I say, rare, rare is the man, rare is the woman that changes without pressure. It's rare. Nobody does it, practically. When we feel the pressure, whether it's a little pressure or if it's that special pressure, pressure that gets us where only we can be got, if you don't have either of those, you just change because it's time to change. I remember the day, I love motorcycles. I had two really fine ones, and I rode, and I just loved it. But one day, I knew, sell that motorcycle. There was no pressure. No, I hadn't fell. I hadn't dropped it. I hadn't, nothing. It wasn't the money. It wasn't anything. I just knew that day, don't get back on it. Wow. It's time to sell. Wow. And so I did. And you've got those same experiences in your life where you just know in your knower, this has been a great season. This has been a great time enjoyed the fire out of whatever it was, but now this, this event or this asset will not go into my future. It was perfect for that season, but it's a new season. It won't go in, and we change. 
We, we either get something new or we kick off something old, but we change. How many of y'all would say, by faith, I want to change? I want to change. It's rare, but I'm talking about the uncommon man and the extraordinary woman. And we change. We change by revelation because we want to be pleasing to God. We want to be at the right place at the right time. We want to, we want to study to show our approved, ourselves approved by the word of God so that we'll have what we need in that moment, that we can speak to the mountain or the storm, or we can possess the things that God's called us to possess by faith, or we can take authority over the devil, or we can release healing. We study because we want to be changed at the moment that change is required. And that's why we're here. So the uncommon man and the exceptional woman don't just change when they have to, but they are looking for change. Say, I'm looking for change. I want to change. I will change. And change is good for me. Now, you, that's a big step. It's as big a step as something that's as overt as being healed, like the testimony Deborah read. Well, I was like, look at that. I'm changed. I had this bone sticking out, and now I'm healed. Wanting to change, because change is, the only thing that never changes is the, we're always changing. <laughs> it's the only thing that's never the same, is that we're always changing. And so you got to want to change. you got to be looking for it. you got to be getting up every day and saying, wonder what we're going to change today. Wonder how we're going to go up today. Don't want to stay where I am. It, great, where I am is better than where I was. That's why people don't change churches is because uh, it's better than it's ever been. And so why rock the boat? They don't change cities. They don't change churches. They don't, they don't change because it's better than it's ever been. But it's never God's best or God's last for any of us. It's never God's last and it's never been God's best. God's best is still in front of us. I promise you. Why? Because we changed to accommodate it. We developed a capacity for increase, and there's not enough here to hold it, so I have to change. I have to enlarge. I have to adapt. I have to quit being gripey. I have to quit being sensitive and defensive or whatever that is in your life. You got to be more outgoing. I, I'm telling you, all of my life, I was very introvert, could not speak in front of people. But they gave me the, the, the adult one class in Sunday school at First Baptist Church in Seagraves. And I, I said I would. And it's the greatest thing that ever happened to me in the sense of change. I didn't realize it, but then all of a sudden I was on it. Well, you've had those same things. They were benchmark things in your life where you decided to change. And then the change was more than you expected. But you were in, you were halfway across the lake and it's, just as far to go back as it is to go forward, so you just keep going, and the change is marvelous. Marvelous. And then the Lord says, as good as this is, I got better yet. Now, this is the kingdom dynamic. It's always better. Take a step with God, and he takes you up two steps. It's just marvelous to be in the kingdom because we have such a confidence that this isn't his last and uh, this is in his best. There's more where I'm going. There's good in my path. Increase is on my life. Yes, Amen.
And so we never have to get up and say, well, here's another day in my old life. No, yesterday was another day in your old life. Today's a new life, a new day in a new life. Well, what happened? You just have an attitude that something could happen and should happen. And you expect it. Expectancy will always cause you to have more. Uh, I like that, that, that saying that says gratitude makes what you have enough. Yeah. Isn't that powerful? Yeah. So I, I've been living there. Now, I heard Coach Saban say yesterday, you know, I never quote the coach. <laughs> Usually we, we hold our eyes. And <laughs> but Coach Saban was talking about uh, his job because they were talking about how he uh, he's 69. He'll be 70 in the end of this year. So he's just a little older than I am. And he talked about, uh, they talked about him saying, you know, we thought a few years ago he was going to slow down and that he might, he might do something. But that now he's fired up, you know, that he's, he's just because he's got seven championships, he's still fired up. And he said this, he said, a critical coach can help people that want to develop in their position. I heard that. A critical coach can help people that want to develop in their position. Of course, he's talking about a coach and a team and individuals in that. But I heard that, that a pastor is given for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. And it's, not, it's volunteer. You know, he's got, he's got people there that are my way or the highway. You're on the team because you are on the team or you're off the team because I want you off the team. Well, that's in a church, it's voluntary. It's you do what you want. You, you get up one day and don't come back or whatever people do when they, they change. He said a critical coach. Now, that word's a little harsh when you compare it to a pastor. But, but we need to hear from, we all need somebody that God can speak to us through. We all need someone. If you don't have someone that God can send to you and say, thus saith the Lord, you've been, you've been, you're messed up and God wants to fix this. If you don't have someone, you're in a very precarious place. Because we don't always hear the trouble because we're, we're hearing based on our mode of thinking. But if he can send someone into your life and say, let's fix this. And you, know, that you might get your feelings hurt at them or you might never speak to them again or you might whatever. But you need somebody, you need a friend in your life that can say, come on in. I've already got my heart open to whatever you're going to say, and this is going to help me. It's a Godward thing. So in Daniel chapter 11, I won't turn there, but I'll read it. Well, I'll turn there. Hallelujah. Just in case it's different in, in the Bible. Daniel chapter 11, look in verse 32. Let's read it together. Now, let's don't read the first part. That's kind of off the subject. Let's start there at the, let's start at the colon. Ready, read. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Let's read it again. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. I want to talk about the uncommon man and the exceptional woman. They shall be, they shall know their God and be strong and do exploits. I'm an uncommon man. Are you? Well, you're not. Be an extraordinary woman. Be an exceptional woman. Be an amazing woman. We're going to find out this morning perhaps how to measure that. Uh, 
What are you going to do with your one and only life? You got one shot at this. For me, I'll never be 65 again. It's gone. It's been gone for a while. You'll, every year, every birthday you have, it's a celebration because of the new one. But you close off, you seal off, you, you shut off that old year. And you say, gosh, what about this new year? Midlife crisis is a psychological term that uh, describes people that suddenly their birthday falls into their life and says, what have you done with your life lately? They're at a certain age and they go, how did I get this old and not do anything with my life? It's not a bad thing because some people jump up and go do something. But we ought to do it every day. We're, we are uncommon and exceptional. Amen. We let Holy Ghost talk to us every day. We don't let one or two or ten years tick by. So the uncommon man, the exceptional woman, lives their one and only life in a fearless mode. And I want to I share this with you. First of all, we're stalwart. The uncommon man and the exceptional woman is stalwart. Say, I'm stalwart. I'm stalwart. Ah, let's do better. I am stalwart. Now, I looked up that word. You know I've looked it up before, but it means to be strong. We at River Church have one job, and that's not entertainment. That's not a social status setting. We don't mind any of those things happening, but our goal is not those. Our goal is to be strong, to be strong. It also means valiant. It means fearless. I like this one, indomitable. I couldn't even spell it when I read that word, indomitable. So strong, valiant, fearless, indomitable. Here's a new word, staunch, tenacious, vigorous. Are you vigorous this morning? Or have you just seen your last good day and you're just coasting? No coasting at River Church, please. No coasting in the kingdom of God, please. It means to be unbending. If you're stalwart, you're unbending. It means to be not easily shaken or moved. You got some of that in you? Of course you do. We resist temptation to get soft and to draw back and to uh, capitulate, to surrender. There's just a line that may be in us, but it's way up there. We're not easily offended. We are stalwart. We are going to be here tomorrow, just like we were here yesterday. Amen. Amen. The next word the Lord gave me last year, besides stalwart, you know the word, it's resilient. Say, I am resilient. I am resilient. Yay. Now, the word resilient, as you know, it means something that will go back to its shape when you bend it or twist it or throw it around it goes back to its original shape and it means to be tough and quick to recover quick to recover you got a disaster in your life you got something that's sad in your life an event which we all do if you're in life there's going to be the good times and there's going to be what jesus called tribulation so it's not like why is this happening to me because you're in the earth you're in the world it happens. It means to be quick to recover. It means rebounding. It means to be pliable and adaptable. It means to be conviction-driven. When lesser men and lesser women will say, well, this hurts my feelings so much. God allowed that to happen in my life. I can't trust him anymore. I'm going to change how I think and change how I live. You're not resilient. Resilient says, that hurt. Ouch. Didn't like that. 
But I'm going back to where I was, and I intend to use this event that was against me to increase. It means to, uh, to be lighthearted. It's like, ah, ah. That hurt like thunder, but ah, we got this. I am resilient. And the last one that he gave me, he gave me three words. I, these are not Bible words, per se, although all these words' meanings are in the Word and talks about courageous men and women. But the last word was the weird fierce. And if you look up fierce, it was really surprising to me the first time I looked it up because it had a negative connotation. But if you keep going in the definition, it means to be bold and it means to be ferocious. I was thinking of a grizzly mama or a, uh, with her cub. They say there's just not much that's more dangerous than finding a, a mama grizzly with her cub. You, you, just, you just tell Jesus, I repent of all that stuff and I'm coming. <laughs> or whatever. It means to be intense, to be passionate, to be strong. And here's the last one, enthusiastic. I am fierce. So it's, it's an amped up Christian. It's one that... Uh, that's uh, got some stuff. We're not just here to get a ride. We are pressing. In Proverbs 23, 7, the Bible says, As a man thinketh in his heart, finish it with me, so are we. Say it with me. As I think in my heart, so am I. Again, as I think in my heart, so am I. Well, people don't, they say, well, yeah, sure. But if you think about it, most people don't live that. They think about their money. Well, as I got money, so am I. Or as I got education, or as I got an expertise or a mastery, so am I. But the Word doesn't say that. The Word says as you think. So you could have a million gazillion dollars and uh, be poverty-minded in your thinking and can't let go of $10. I, have you ever met those people? They got poverty in their life. They got... Something floated into their life, uh, inheritance or, God forbid, the lotto. Go ahead and win the lotto, y'all. <laughs> Be tithers. Hallelujah. Uh, but uh, uh, it's, it's how we think. So you could have lots of money, but still think, I, I got to hold on to this. I got to hold on to this. I, I have known millionaires say I, I, something might happen. And we, we got to hold on to this. Millionaires that are on Social Security and on, got money everywhere and got stuff everywhere couldn't spend it at $1,000 a day, couldn't spend all that they have, and yet can't go, let go of $100 for something as a man thinks in his heart. That's how he is. So we, uh, we want to know how people are, how they're going to treat us, what to expect if we go into business with them or partners with them or hook up with them. Just find out how they think, and then you know what you're hooking up to. Not what they have, not what they say, but how they think. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, would you turn there with me? 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's look at how people think. Now we're just going to do a little school here, and it's all stuff you know. But we're not here to give you something new but to put in order that which you already know, to make it where we change. I was telling someone yesterday, 
that I, I had to change because used to, if I'd read a book and it came to quoting a scripture, I'd look at the scripture and I'd say, well, I already know that scripture. I've read that scripture. Then I would skip the scripture and go down to the next thing that I didn't know. And that's wrong, wrong, wrong thinking. Because just because you've heard it doesn't mean you know it. Amen. So it says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. That first sentence there says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded. I looked it up in the New Living. It says, Satan who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. You go, come on, man, I'm telling you, I'm telling you facts here. I'm telling you information. I'm giving you stuff. And you go, don't you see it? Well, we forget sometimes how we thought before we got born again. How we thought before the Holy Ghost, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, became something we wanted. I, all I heard growing up, when it came up, and it came up when somebody would ask, is, well, what about this Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues? They always reference the speaking in tongues as this, that's the main event. But it's just something that's part of it. But, you know, we were again it. Yeah. I mean, most people were again it. Because yeah. they were blinded. But then one day, for, and it's amazing how the Lord got us all to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Yes. It's amazing, the, the path, the story, the plan that he laid out to trip us in to that. Yeah. And now we're on the other side. We go, whoo-hoo, yeah. I got it. You ought to get it. <laughs> it's wonderful. The best thing since a new birth that's ever happened to me. So Satan, who is the God of this world. So he's the God of this world. And let me just say this. The unregenerated man is the standard of the common man. We're talking about the uncommon man and the ex extraordinary, the uh, exceptional woman. What is the common man? He is the unregenerated. We, we call them sinners if you want to. The unregenerated man is the common man. But you might say, so when I got born again, I became uncommon. I became exceptional. Let's just say the capacity is there. Yeah. The legal right to be uncommon is there. But how many of y'all know many of us and many of them have passed on that option to be uncommon? Matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 1 says, I, brethren, Paul said, could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal. Yeah, babes. Even as unto babes in Christ, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and division, are ye not carnal and walk as men? One version says as mere men, as common men. So they've got the capacity, the legal right to be uncommon and exceptional, but they choose to walk as common, unregenerated men. Going to heaven, no doubt about it. Going to heaven, we are on the first loadout, but here on the earth they're having old Billy. It's just nothing wonderful about living on earth without the power of God, even though you've got the power of God. It's really sometimes worse. 
So the carnal Christian is the unchanged standard of the common man. He was common, got born again, got endued with power from on high as far as the new birth, the word being life to him, and just says, I, I'm going to pass on that. I don't want to change. Did you have to change? Are you still changing? We're shaking off that common stuff. I, I was raised in, in little, I won't say lack, because we always had. My dad was a good provider. He was gone all the time. I, you know, I never saw him. But I was still, that poverty thing, that lack thing, that shortage thing was on us all the time. And my, my family's favorite mantra is that we're doing without in order to do. That is totally survival. We're doing without in order to do. So we did without. <laughs> we did without. Well, I, that thing gets in you. Y'all say amen. It, it gets in you. It gets in you. It begins to weave into the network of your thinking. And as a man thinks, so is he. So even though you could have lots of money, per se, yet if it's in you, poverty and shortage and lack and need, that's how you think. And that's how you are. And so when you finally go to heaven, usually these people have money stacked up around them because they wouldn't spend it. They wouldn't sow it. They wouldn't plant it as seed because it's like, uh, we got to hold on to this. But the truth is, when you're not poverty-minded, you have a new mantra. You say, there's plenty more where that came from. <laughs> there's plenty more where I came because I was working hard and working all the time and I never got it, but something just brought it in, an inheritance or a whatever, a settlement of some kind, and now I got it. Since I didn't get it by faith, I can't keep it by faith. So I have to just use my means to, to do whatever. So uh, these are common and unexceptional people, both the unregenerated man and the carnal Christian. Now, who are you? Who am I? I say I'm the uncommon man because I want to change. I've wanted to change a long time. I change all the time. I am, I, I kid around with Deborah and other people. I, I am not machismo. I'm not macho, so to speak. You know, I, I just don't have any of that in me. I am what I am. But a lot of people are very defensive about their hairline or their wrinkles or their strength or whatever prowess that they might used to have been. They don't want to change. They, and so they put on hair pieces and they work out and it just kills them, so to speak. It, it, it doesn't work. You've got to be who you are and then say, I'm going to change in him. So they have worldly thinking. What is worldly thinking? I was thinking about that and it's stale thinking. How do you think? Like I did last year, like Daddy thought, like Grandpa thought. Stale thinking. That's the worldly. It's destructive. It's small. It's limited. It's fruitless. Always short-term and always self-serving. That's how the world thinks. Now, they'll be, they'll be generous with you up to a point. But if you ever get where they think you're expecting them to be generous... Chop, chop. We shut that off. They want to be generous on their terms, but don't you ever be looking to them and saying, Uncle Jack, 
We have a need over here, and you won't even miss it. You wouldn't. It's just a flitter off of what you got. Do you think you could give to me and my... Don't ask. Am I telling the truth? Don't ask. If I feel led to give it to you and initiate it, but don't ask. Uh, worldly thinking is impossible thinking. No matter what it looks like, they say no. Well, I don't know. I think no. They... They are, it's too hard. I, I'm with these people all the time, it seems like. That, that's hard. That would be hard. Yeah, I know it could be done, but that's hard. It's costly, and in it, this worldly thinking is impatient. They want what they want now. Yeah. But if you put on the uncommon man and the exceptional woman, they have uh, Godward thinking. That's us. Yeah. We're changing. We're putting on the new man the uncommon man, the exceptional woman. We're putting it on. We were born again with it, but we're putting it on. That means some stuff has to come out of our life. Yes. I remember when we moved to Tuscaloosa and the Lord said, I want you to buy a new house. That was hard on us. Y'all may think, oh, that'd be easy. No, as a man thinks in his heart. And we, you know, when we were new pastors here and, and uh, we did not... That was contrary to how we thought. So we had to change or disobey. When you obey, you're just trusting him that this will work out, won't it, Lord? I mean, this, there's some definitely cost to this kind of thinking of buying a new house as new pastors in a new town, in a new state, in a whole... A, everything was different. And so we, we looked for one, we entertained one, and suddenly the Lord just worked it out and smoothed this through. And that's what you and I have had to do to, to be uncommon, to be exceptional. Because the world, and that's where I was thinking, says we need to get the cheapest thing we can get. Have you ever thought that way? And it was wisdom for what you had. But God wanted us to have more so we could do more and be more. So uh, Godward thinking is big thinking. I want to say you have to think big in small places. It's big thinking. It's not that somebody presents you something big. It's that you were thinking big. It's positive thinking. It's invigorating thinking. It's unlimited. It's fresh. It's fruitful. It's eternal. It's a giving thinking. How can I get more so I can give more? Remember when we used to think, how can I get more to get more? <laughs> oh, yeah, you did. It's possibility thinking. Godward thinking is like, I don't know how we can do this, but I'm sure we can. It's easy. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. So it's easy thinking. Ah, we got this. Holy Ghost will show us how to get through this. It's uh, paid up thinking. Now, this is hard on all of us to get out of debt and not go back into debt. Y'all aren't amening much. Uh, Godward thinking is long-suffering, whereas worldly thinking is impatient. It's like, ah, this will work out. There's plenty more where that came from. You never know what God's up to, what God's going to do. Uh, um, Romans 8, uh, every, everything is turning out amazing. That's what that is. That's Godward thinking. Everything is turning out amazing. And you're, you're in quicksand up to your nostrils, and there's just a little rope they're throwing you that's not quite long enough. And you go, we got this. 
So if you want God's kind of life in your life, you've got to think God's thoughts in your life. Because as a man thinks in his heart. So we've got to think God's thoughts if we want to have God's ways. We cannot think small and have big. Are y'all getting this? You can't think small and have big. Well, does God have big? He sure does. Does God want you to have big? He sure does. Well, there's a bridge there, and you've got to change how you think so you can possess what God has. We've got to do it God's ways, and he's thinking in God's thoughts. Over in Isaiah 55, it says, uh, your ways are not my ways, God says. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. So we go, well, how can we do it? But then he goes on and he says, he says, but you can have my thoughts. And we know at the new birth, we got the mind of Christ. So he bridged that gap, that thing that was, says, your thoughts are my, my thoughts. It was an assessment of what's going on, of how it is, but change it. I tell people all the time, I love you more than you love me, but you can narrow the gap. I tell them all the time. They go, amen. So the, the world is small. The world is small. And the world is small. They think small. They think little. They think shortage. They think lack. They think need. And so you never get to the end of any of it. You never, in the shortage thinking, you never get to the end. Because as soon as you get this paid for or, or tied off, then here's another one in line. And you never get to the end of it. Have you lived that life? I certainly have. Where it's just stacked up and it's kind of hopeless. It's kind of uh, discouraging to live in the world because there's never enough. Or if there is, there's just enough. And God wants, to, he wants us to think big and, and possibility and there's plenty more where that came from. Go ahead and give it. Go ahead and spend it. Go ahead and do it because there's plenty more. That wasn't my best and that wasn't my last, heaven's saying. And so you step out of the boat. Men can't walk on water, but you step out of the boat. You just step out saying, he said, come. And so here I go. Genesis 15, Abraham said, it's in verse 2. Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And God brought him forth abroad and said, look now towards heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. What was this verse about? It was changing little thinking. I, I, I'm childless. I don't have one kid. And God says, ah, I'm thinking bigger than that. I got not just one kid coming. I got you a whole nation of children. Well, how big is that, Lord? Six, ten, twelve? And then he showed him, he gave him a visual that was designed to fix his thinking. Now, he's not telling us, look at the stars in the skies. But he tells you exceeding abundantly above what you can ask or think. That is the stars. That is the sand. Exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think. And it's all over the word. It's the stars. You go, I, I need a visual. You got a visual. When you think this way, exceeding abundantly above, then you tap out the, the shortage thinking. It's like, well, I got to the end of that, Lord. You got more? You never get to the end of exceeding abundantly above. Because as soon as you think the end, he says, I got more. So you think that end, he says, I got more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why don't we have the more? Because we have little thinking. As big as your thinking is, as far as I have come, as much as I have changed, I am still little. 
compared to his plan. It is uncommon, it is exceptional to think in these terms. But if you're willing to change, everyday change, all the time change, like we did that yesterday. Lord, don't you have anything new? Lord, we, we got a new load of everything and got an upgrade yesterday. What's in it for today? Now, that's a different way of thinking. Instead of just saying, oh, God, I, I'm so blessed. I'm so full. I wouldn't dare. I wouldn't think of asking you for more. Oh, yeah, there's plenty more where that came from. Now, not everybody can take this, but that's the way it really is. Amen. You got to choose. I got to choose. We have to choose to be uncommon. We're already wired for it at the new birth. Wired for uncommon. Wired for exceptional. Wired. Everything's there. Somebody has to flip the switch and turn it all on. And that is when we choose to change. Choose to do it like God wants to do it. I choose to go up instead of straight or down. Well, you never get past this. This is all the time. Praise God. First Peter chapter 1. Let's see. We've got time. Yeah, we've got time to do that one. Uh, matter of fact, we've got way more time. Verse 13 of 1 Peter chapter 1. Are y'all hot in here? All right. Who knows how to turn it up? Would you do that, Pamela, for us? You don't actually have to turn it. Just, just act like you're turning it, and everybody will say, that feels better. <laughs> Amen. Verse 13 of chapter 1, 1 Peter says, Wherefore, no, right here. Oh, okay. Well, what a good girl. Look at verse 13. Are y'all there in the King James? Wherefore, so right there, he's addressing something that's in verse 11 and 12. He said, Because of that, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. The loins is is all of this down here. That's all your loins. And what they wore back then is they wore these skirts. Boys and girls wore skirts. And he said, gird up the loins. In other words, if you're going to run, you would have to pull your skirt up so you wouldn't trip over it. If you were going to take off, you would... Have y'all ever seen ladies do that where they pull up their skirt a little bit so that they don't trip over it? It's very embarrassing to see a lady in a big dress, head over heels and rolling down the... So he said, gird up the loins of your mind. But the NIV says, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Say it with me. Prepare yourself for action. Other finger. Prepare yourself for action. Prepare. Get ready. Change. Change. Enlarge your capacity. Get ready for more. Prepare your mind, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Prepare your mind for more, for action. Be self-controlled. Don't be looking at what's around you, which is little and shortage and lack and need and suffering. Don't look at that. Prepare your mind for action. In the morning, we will go up. And conquer the land. In the morning, we will possess the land. In the morning, we're going to have more. In the morning. The common man tries to put his future, tries to frame his future based on his past. This is what we always had. This is always the way we did it. I always bought a used house. Had several houses in West Texas uh, moving around. And so 
That's what I was thinking. That's how I was thinking. Wouldn't, it, wouldn't you think that way? Now, there is, no, there is no thing here that says, does that mean I've got small thinking because I have a used house? Or a, it's not. It's just the particular thing that he did to get me and Debbie jump-started. Because he wanted us to plow a big field in Alabama. And he said, you, you got, it wasn't the house. It had nothing to do with the house. It was that it jarred our thinking, our way of thinking, our, our mode. It jarred us and put us out there on the limb where we had never been. Isn't that where God wants you and me? In our impossibility thinking, doesn't he want us to think, we, we got this. Me and Jesus got this. How are you going to do it? I don't know. But we got this. The first step is to say we got this. And then the second step is he tells you how you got this. Well, I want to know first. Well, then you don't have it. Did you hear me? If you have to know how first, you don't have it. Amen. But so, so the world and how we all used to be is our common thinking gave us a common future. But now I've decided to change. Now I've decided I, I want a better future. Well, then I'm going to have to have a better way of thinking. Which means that everything or most everything of my old way of thinking, it's busted. It's, it's broke. It's, all of a sudden, it won't plow the North 40. All of a sudden, it won't go the distance. Because now I have a new distance. Now I have a new vision. As I'm going to live exceeding abundantly above. Well, my old way of thinking won't get me there. Because what will that get you? Well, you work for a wage and you save a little bit and you put your kids through school or whatever you do, buy a new car every few years, and at the end of all that, you're just like you started, just in the... We know that won't work. I mean, it'll work, but it won't take you exceeding abundantly above. You'll be at the same place then as you are now because as a man thinks now, so will he be then. If nothing changes in the thinking, then nothing's going to change in the result. So it's an attitude. It's a perspective. It's an outlook. I'm coming to church today, bless God, and I'm going to have revelation. I'm going to see what I hadn't seen so I can have and do what I've not had and done. And I'm changing today. I'm going to the Word of God today, and I'm changing. I'm in Leviticus, maybe. I'm changing in Deuteronomy and Numbers. Now, that's faith right there. Hallelujah. But you can if you have a perspective. But if you say, I, I've read this. I know every I've read every chapter, and I, there's nothing here. You're right. Because as a man thinks, so is he. Philippians 3.13 says, forgetting those things which are behind. I got to forget the way I used to think. Now, it's a brave new world. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. The common man thinks his life is hard. He thinks it's hard. Got a hard life. And he doesn't, you go, well, what's hard about it? And they'll tell you the cat died or the garbage man broke their bucket and, you know, or loud music across the street. They'll tell you that's what's hard life. But they're seeing out of both eyes, they're breathing out of both lungs. 
They're able to walk anywhere they want to, and yet they say, I have a hard life. That's how they think. The common man thinks he's a failure, and he blames other people for his failure, although he can't do anything about it. He avoids doing hard things, and this is what I wanted to say about that. The common man avoids hard things. Well, what does that mean? He avoids change. Because everything that has change in it has a, a hard thing in it. It's got an impossibility. It's got a hard thing. In other words, we can go sit on the couch or we can get up and go do the hard thing. And the common man says, the couch is good. We like the couch. But the uncommon man, the exceptional woman says, ah, let's go do something. Let's go, let's go bust some devils. Let's go, let's go lay hands on somebody. Let's do something uncommon because we are uncommon. The uncommon man takes control of his mind. He said, listen, I'm going to have a talk with you, head, and we're going to talk about how it's going to be and how you've led me down the wrong road and you, it's my fault because I put stuff in you, but that's enough of that. The uncommon man gets up when he falls. There's an old saying that says nobody drowns when they fall into the water. They drown when they don't get up out of the water. And so failure is everywhere. Failing is everywhere. Messing up is everywhere. But failure is not an option. Amen. Fall forward. Bless God. Romans 12, 2. Don't y'all like that? Be not conformed to this world. Be, don't think like the world. Don't think common. Well, how are you going to do that? You're going to have to you're going to have to hear and look and think like the uncommon man. You're going to have to find you some heroes in the Bible, like Joshua and David, and say, "That a boy. I mean, he whooped the lion, he whooped the bear, and then he went in there and said, he's a little tall, but I think we can take this. And Goliath was on the ground. Well, you go, that's, that's then, and that's him. Now, that's, that's small thinking. That's then, and that's him. Now, let me just tell you all something. Everybody thinks that somebody else, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Theodore Roosevelt, uh, all these people that are famous, that, uh, that they got there because it was just their lot in life. But every one of them was uncommon. Every one of them believed out the box. Every one of them did what was necessary to do to stretch and pull people with them. And you might think now that those people are over there, that the heroes, the uncommon men and women are over there and we're over here. But I tell you, I demand of your thinking that you believe that you are that uncommon and things that are changing the world are coming through you and not somebody else. River Church, we are. We are raising up the uncommon. And not everybody wants it. Everybody wants it. I sit on the couch and listen to this. And we, I used to be that way, so yay. But it's been a long time. So you've got to want more. You've got to want to change. You've got to do the hard thing. The definition of, of getting ahead is do the hard thing until the hard thing's not the hard thing. And then go do it again. Do the hard thing till it's easy and then go do a hard thing again. Till then, eventually, everything is easy. Be not conformed to be in this world, but be ye transformed. I wrote down, into an uncommon man, an exceptional woman. 
Be ye transformed into an uncommon man. This is really good right here. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed into an uncommon man. Be ye transformed into an exceptional woman. That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I'm being transformed. Amen. I'm being changed. I'm being challenged. Sometimes you do want to sit on the couch and say, I'm tired. And we changed a bunch yesterday. And I, you know, and it didn't, I can't see that it did anything for me. So let's sit down and wait till that works. You're common. You're common. You're wimpy. You're, you're, you're common. We'll read, we'll read about some people in this move, in this time of season. Of, when we get into heaven, these things will, are recorded and we will be seen for what we did. Common, it'll never be mentioned. Because we don't get our mistakes and our sins and all that stuff. None of that is videoed in heaven where they show everybody, you know, lying or cheating or whatever. That's, none of that is in there. We, we're on the Bama. We're on the, the Bama seat, the judgment seat, and we're rewarded for what we did. Everything that was done courageously with the right motive, that will be trumpeted. I told y'all that these, these Olympians that are up there on gold, silver, and bronze, they, they ran the fastest, they jumped the highest, they swam the furthest, all those things that made them sit up there, but there's no telling what little train wrecks are in their life otherwise. They were fooling around here and cheating on this there, but it's just according to what they did in that event, they are celebrated. So our sins, our mess-ups, our failures, though they be many, will not be on this scene. It'll be what you did that was right, with a good motive, and you did it with, with uh, you were stalwart, you were resilient, and you were fierce. That's what's going to be trumpeted in heaven. So let's, let's add to it. Let's not consider what we didn't do right. Let's just consider what we can do right. Did I say that wrong? Let's don't consider our mess-ups. Because they don't matter anyway. They do not matter. And you tell your child that. You tell him, get up and dust yourself off and let's, let's go do it again. That's what you tell your child. Well, that's what the Word tells you and I to do. Amen. Now, this, I'm finished with this. It's Proverbs 4.23 says, what does it say? Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it the heart, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So, because out of the heart flow the issues of life. And the word issues there, it's really a strange definition. It means boundaries, borders. What else does it mean? It means uh, issues, boundaries and borders. So keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it is the whole fence line of where you can go and do. You cannot go past, got money? Oh, I can go anywhere. No, you can't. You can't go past the issues, the boundaries, the borders that are in your heart. So if you think little like a common man, if you think uh, fearfully like the common man, if you think small like the common man, then you're not keeping your heart with all diligence, and your boundaries are tight. In prison, they call it an eight-by-eight eight room. And you spend 23 hours a day there in some lockups. Can you imagine how restricted that is and how that would work on you? I know many Christians that are in that eight by eight room in real life. 
They cannot raise their hand to do anything that's beyond their experience. If I hadn't done it, I'm not doing it. And we are just called to be so much more. We are the heroes of this generation. It is not these mega guys, these tycoons, these, these uh, whatever you call them, that are running the whole world, the billionaires. It's not them. They have very small thinking, even though they tapped in like an Olympian. They tapped in and ran the race the fastest, so they got the most money by starting Microsoft or, or Oracle or something. That's not who God says, add a boy. It's you and me that went to church when nobody was going to church and said, I'm changing today. That is the attaboy. Aren't you glad we can do that? Because Microsoft's already invented. Probably we could do better with it if we knew. So it's up to me to think big in a small place. It's up to me. You can think big, and I'll say, I'll just sidle in with Barry. I'll just sidle in with Lynn, and, and I'll let them do the big thinking, and then I'll just, nope, it's personal, just like salvation. If I can't think big, I can't have big. If I can't think the uncommon, the exceptional, you go to the back of the line, son. You, you get back there with the unregenerate and the carnal Christians because that's how they think, and that's what they'll have, and that's what they'll do. I wrote down here, praying in the Holy Ghost, accesses the uncommon and the exceptional. Because you're out of your head. Aren't you out of your head when you pray in the Holy Ghost? Yeah, you're out of your mind. And all sorts of things is going on in, I guess in computer land, they'd say in the background. All sorts of stuff's going on behind the scenes. And then you wake up and you go, now what? And it just, it's, it's there. What you need is there. Jesus is wonderful. We sang about the goodness of God this morning. Well, part of the goodness of God, the goodness of God is to think like God. That he opened the door and he said, hey, I got a private room over here. And I'm going to let you come in here and you can think like me. It's called the new birth. Some go in, some don't go in. I hope you wanted to go in. I hope you want to go in more. I hope, you, I hope you pay attention. You sit up in your chair and say, hit me again, Lord. Something new, something exciting, something that just stretches my thinking. Like, God, that's almost too much. I can barely get around that. But I did. Where we've been gives us the right to where we're going. In other words, not everybody can hear this message because you have to have some, what they call in college, some prerequisites taken out of the way. you got to have some basic courses for you can handle. And there's, there's, I'm not saying this is hard, but this is hard on a carnal church and a carnal believer. Because they want the best God has for the minimum expense or cost. So Lord, we thank you today that you have a plan for our lives. It's not just that you're going to bless what we're doing. You're going to bless what we can do. And we're going to say yes to it. I'm saying yes to you, Lord Jesus. I'm saying yes to the mind of Christ. I'm saying yes to, to meditations that are outside of my realm of thinking. I'm saying yes to the will of God to be an exciting, an exciting element in the earth today. I'm going to be like David. I'm going to be, I'm going to be in my generation one who stood out. So thank you, Lord, for your willingness now, Lord, we thank you in advance that now we're willing 
And we won't miss our season. We won't miss our time. We are changed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, things are coming. But we're already there. Sometimes, though, we don't know what's going on. Well, why, why is that floating around? Why that message or why that scripture or whatever? This is the why. He has to feed the uncommon man. He has to feed the exceptional woman. So we're not, we're not going in here and saying, well, you must be born again. <laughs> Woo. That's why God wants you rich. Can I go just a, just a second more? He wants you rich and he wants you healed because it demands a participation on our part. It demands a faith that's beyond our circumstance, our thinking, our experience. He wants you to be rich, not be so you'll have money, because I have enough. Do you have enough? For today, you have enough. But where he's taken me and where he's taken you, I don't have enough for there. If we, if we sent you out and said, Pamela, I need you to have a jet by the weekend paid for and over on the runway for River Church, you'd go, I'm going to have to have some help. So, so the way we're thinking is good enough for today, but it's not for where he has already put you. It's, it, it's sorely short. It's just good enough for today because that's the way we think, good enough for today. Amen.